What's up? Welcome back to Guitar Blah Blah, the daily podcast for people that just can't shut up about guitar. In the spirit of nerding out about gear stuff today, I just wanted to give you guys a question, something that I don't know if my thoughts on are accurate or interesting or anything like that, but I thought it would be a cool question just to put out there and see kind of what other people's thoughts are and see what you guys made of this. And, you know, just a interesting thought i think going into the future we often kind of speculate about future of guitar guitar music we do it all the time actually on this podcast when i have guests on we usually talk about future guitar stuff where's it going is it as bleak as people say is it as amazing as people say whatever uh you know and that go, kind of circles around gear and stuff as well as talking about music and the stuff that we love more generally um but in terms of focusing on, on a specific part of gear it's a hard thing to do um Usually it's something I discuss a bit more with the people that I interview in these general senses because, yeah, like I say, I'm kind of more interested in getting my thoughts and putting them together with someone else's and then listening more to what they have to say. And then as someone way more experienced than me with a lot more knowledge than me, you know, that's kind of what interests me is hearing what they have to say. Like you've got a guitar builder on, they've been building guitars for 30 years. I'm interested to see, they've seen trends come and go. They've been focused on those, watching those trends and watching the market develop because they've been in it. That's their business. That's how they support themselves, all of that kind of stuff. And um, therefore, I think they're in an interesting position to have some cool insights into where things could be going next on specific things. But here's one that um, I don't know. I've really heard people talk about that much, but it's a thought that kind of captures me. It's come up a few times when thinking about this specific topic. And I wanted just to put it out there as a question. What is next for our digital technology in our guitar setups. So we've obviously got digital technology in our, we've got digital amps, which usually practice amps, you've got modeling amps, that kind of thing. But of course, we've also got uh, amp simulation, amp modeling, all the way up to the professional level. You've got things like AxeFX Kemper. You've got pedals that utilize digital technology in a number of ways. Of course, you can have something just like a digital delay, but I'm kind of thinking more about the Axe FX Kemper. You could also think about stuff like your plugins, like amp simulation plugins that you might use. Uh, you know, Line Six Helix, Head Rush, all of that sort of stuff. Um, thinking about that, the idea is, and the reason I'm focusing on the kind of higher end units is the the lower end units obviously aim to sound as good as possible, and they're getting better and better and better all the time. Anything like a Fender Mustang up to whatever. Um, but, you know, the idea there is to provide a huge array of versatile possibilities and feature sets for the person who's playing at home. You know, it's often talked about as beginner, but it really isn't actually. And I don't think those companies really just focus on beginner. Um, that's obviously a thing that those amps have to appeal for because they could be attracted to beginners. But I think it's way more the actual overall focus is better summed up by saying it's the at home play it's a practice amp um and the idea is it's got all of your sounds in there you don't need all your other gear it's plug and play it's simple it sounds good at low volumes it's got a bunch of feature sets like it can sync bluetooth so you can play music through it and jam along and all of that stuff because it's made for someone playing at home not focusing so much on that focusing on the more expensive things um like perhaps camper helix axe effects all these things that use slightly different technologies slightly different approaches Kind of focusing more on those because I specifically want to think about those products for which the focus is sounding as good as possible. It's, you know, it has a bunch of feature sets. It has all this stuff. We've got MIDI in and out and stereo in and out and you could do this and you could do that. Absolutely. 
usually packed with features. They kind of have to be. Um, the idea is that they're supposed to be these kind of Swiss Army knife pieces of kit as well as having extremely high quality sound. Um, and, you know, they, they're having to compete in the market with people who are, you know, as guitarists who are somewhat stuck in our ways. Or, you know, we're playing music. We we don't want to have to think too much about the tools that we're using. So we like to use what we like, even though there can be some problems with it, um, which means, the you know, these new technologies have to do kind of the burden of proof is on them, right? To to prove that they can work and get us to go, okay, my long trusted pedal board and amp, I'm going to put aside and I'm going to use Axe Effects. How does that work? Well, they got to do a lot of convincing for us. And of course, on the main points, it's what they do superior, which is where a lot of those features come in. It's the idea that like, hey, this is friggin' indestructible piece of kit. You're never going to have, it fits in a backpack, so you're not going to have any problem getting it on and off flights. So you don't need to rely on, backline stuff but it can also work with backline that you usually run with but if anything goes down anything breaks this thing can do everything um it can easily slot into all of your gear you have so there's stuff you just have to use you got to use this you you don't want to use in-ear monitors you want to use uh cabs on stage uh you don't want to use cabs you've got to use in-ear monitors because you keep stage volume super low whatever way you do it there's so many features on all these products that they can fit in there but um, that's because they need to compete in that market and they need to be able to do that. But, um, you know, the big focus, the big main thing of them, as well as that, the practicality is huge, but, you know, I'm kind of focusing on the ones that as well as doing that are definitely not made for practice or are, are great for practice, amazing tools for practice. Yeah. You, you could practice with an XFX system or, uh, with Helix or Headrush or whatever, um, you've got a great setup, you've got great plugins on, on, on your computer. Obviously that's made for recording so that's not so much going out live but they are intended to be professional quality you can make professional quality recordings with this that's what they're going for very specifically the thing that interests me about those is where are those going in the future and i'm meaning way off not kind of next year not in the next year or whatever um because i think for a little bit they're going to be on roughly the same trajectory without going into a big deep dive on my thoughts of you know what could happen this year or whatever because i haven't really thought about that you know, I think we generally all expect that they're going to just keep having more and more of those feature sets, open up a few more features, um, basically try to make those models or profiles or whatever you want to call the amp types and pedal types and stuff closer and closer and closer to the real thing. That has been the project of a lot of these products and the digital stuff over all digital amp modeling let's put it with that specifically if you like that has been the that's been the project right is when this thing is on the fender silver phrase mode or it's a fender deluxe and it's on that mode whatever it is how close to that does it sound and then when i press a button and switch over to the next bank and i've got a stereo setup with one plexi on the right and one modded plexi on the left it's not just about how good that sounds it's specifically about how close does that sound to the actual real amp and for someone who's used to playing that amp, who's been playing that amp for years but uh is sicker than breaking down on tour or is sick of breaking their back lugging these things up and down steps at local gigs um or who one week at their local jam night is bringing the deluxe out and then the next week they go yeah i kind of missed the gain channel and the two channel setup of my marshall so they bring a marshall and the next week they go but i've got all these pedals so i should bring the pedal platform of my whatever so they bring another amp the next week and another one you know those people are used to those amps 
it's got to sound like those amps. They're intimately familiar with those amps. Those amps respond in a way they like. It's not just about the pure sound for other people in the audience. In fact, it's a lot more to do with the players. I think digital technology for quite a long time has been at the the level where, yeah, someone 50 rows back cannot hear the difference. It's close enough that this is going to sound the same and get people going the same and, and, and work in the mix the same for people way off in the audience. I think we've been at that point for a while. It's been about, so I'm a player, I'm intimately familiar with my Plexi, let's, let's say, um, but I would love to have more options on tour and sometimes the Plexi I have is unreliable and the back lines don't always have them. They have the more modern marshals, whatever. Right? Cycle through your list of things. Um, or it's too loud, I can't play it at home, but I don't want to keep it just at the practice room, so am I using it enough? All this all this stuff. When they turn to an Axpex, Kemper, whatever it is, that is the battle, is can I get it so close in sound to the Plexi and to this amp and to this amp? Can I get it with all the amp models I have, with all the pedal models I have, so close to it that someone who is really familiar with those pedals, amps, whatever, plugs into this and goes, yeah, you know what, that's it. Even if they go, yeah, it's not 100%, it's a 99%, or yeah, it's not 100%, it's 90%, though, they still go, it's positive. They still go, yeah, that's that's got it. That's captured the sound of it. That has been what the progress has been towards, you know, better processing, oh, we've updated the processes, oh, we've updated this, oh, we've got a whole new system in this, oh, it's the XFX Mark II, is the XFX Mark III, it's the, oh, it's the updated Helix, you know, whether it's a software update or they bring out a whole new physical unit, um, all of this stuff, it, it's been a lot in terms of, can this sound exactly like something we already have, or like a hundred things we already have, in the case of, in the case of most of these products, it's it's not just about one of the models sound good it's that all of the models sound good or as many of the models as possible sound good amp models pedal models but also they sound really distinctly like the thing that they're supposed to sound like um you know the marshall setting sounds like a marshall whatever um that's been the battle that's been the progress that's obviously like i said there's lots of other things these products do that they've been developed intentionally very clearly to do and to provide players but you know that's at the center of it is getting this digital stuff so it doesn't sound digital it doesn't sound like something else it sounds like the amps that people love that people are used to because you got to convince them right you can go this is a super practical thing and it's great and it can replace your pedal board someone who's been playing with that pedal board for 10 years and go yeah played with it for 10 years there's a bunch of problems with it but i get sick when there's a break somewhere in the pedal board and you got to find out i get sick when i try to tour with this and i can't so then we have to call the back line and we have to see what they've got but this has worked for me for 10 years. It can work for 10 more years. And that's just my sound. You've got to get that sound in your box so close that you can go, you know what? You got to try out our X of X. And not only is it going to solve all those practical issues, it's actually going to sound like your setup. People are very skeptical of that and were skeptical of that for digital for a long time. The first digital stuff, you know, always instead of being like hey here's a new sound the the digital was presented as here's all your favorite sounds in one the digital stuff was always doing modeling and, and, and it was always here's the marshall so here's the the british crunch setting and stuff like that and uh, you know the the earlier stuff did not get very close to it to most people's ears and um therefore it had a lot of making up to do in that sense and it had a lot of convincing to do because of that as well um and to show people not just that it could sound 
like guitar sounds, but that could specifically sound like the amp you have, the amp you've always wanted, or the collection of amps you've always wanted in a wet, dry rig all together with your entire pedal board too in one single unit. That took a lot of convincing for people, and so the sounds had to be like the sounds they were purporting to be, like the Marshall had to sound like a Marshall. The Fender Cleans had to sound like Fender Cleans. Oh, I've got a Friedman on here, I've got a Mesa Boogie on here, I've got this on here. They have to actually sound not just good, not just, well, that's a good sound. It has to actually be, well, that's a good sound. And it sounds like my amp. Um, That has been the process. And I think that's still a lot of what the process is. It's about that plus more and more cool features. Is there a point, and this is kind of what I'm interested in about where this goes way more in the future, where that changes? Is there a point, let's say, I think there'll always be skeptics. I think there'll always be people who go, yeah, that doesn't sound right. Or the digital stuff just doesn't feel right. Doesn't have a certain push to it. Doesn't have a certain responsiveness to it. I, I'm i convinced that the crowd won't hear a difference, but I'll feel the difference as a player. I'll know the difference. I think there'll always, always, I say always, maybe not 6,000 years in the future. You know what I mean? I think for that that's that's there for a good long time for individual people. And I think we all accept that, that for some of us, we're going to go, this works for me. Some of us, we're going to go, not. And we've all watched those rundowns where artist after artist has an axe effects. And it's not like all of them go, this is 100% exactly like my setup. Everything's exactly the same. I've sold all my old gear. I don't even own any amps anymore. I only own the axe effects. A lot of professional players go, yeah, the rehearsal room, I still got my, uh, you know, two Marshall stacks or whatever. But I just use the Axe Effects on tour. It's got everything in there. So practical. And it sounds so close. It's so 99 point whatever percent of the way there. That you know what? As someone who's intimately familiar with this amp, played it for 20 years, when I'm in the Axe Effects, if I'm playing on my own, like through the Axe Effects, and it's just me playing, I can, I, you know, I can hear the difference. It's not exactly the same at all. That's why I've still got my old amps. But uh, when I'm in the mix with the band, it has that same kind of sonic range that it's in and it clicks well with the band and of course it still sounds exactly the same for everyone else out there it will be my sound to all our fans and to me when we're all playing together here at the moment live everything's going everything's coming together it totally is my sound in there um so that's why i play with it it's more like that it's not people going amps are dead the xfx is here it's people going it 100% does its job, solves all these practical issues on tour and sounds so freaking close. So I think they're going to keep going for sounding closer and closer and closer. And I think there will always be people who go, you know, yeah, that might be fine for that musician who has those practical things to solve. But for me, I am fine carrying my amp here, carrying my amp there. It doesn't sound exactly the same. It sounds cool having 10 different tube amps, but it doesn't sound quite like a tube amp to me. And so I'm not going to I'm not going to use it. I'm not going to use the Kemper aspects, whatever they're trying to be convinced of. I think that's always going to be there for individual people. But I think if it keeps progressing and the sounds keep getting more and more convincing and they keep going after, we're going to make this the model sound as good and as close to the real amps and, and have that dynamic response. And we're going to have things that just capture everything about your actual pedals, that capture everything about your actual amps that you love, and they're all going to be in one box, and it solves all these practical problems, it's going to have all these, uh, you know, cabling options, all of this stuff. And they're going to keep going after that, right? Let's say they get it so good that even though they're still the odd individual person who goes, nah, I just prefer the amp because it's a cool thing to have. I just prefer it because it's old school and it's cool. Or they go, yeah, I can still kind of feel the difference, so I prefer the amp. Or... Yeah, I just don't like spending time scrolling through screens, so I'd rather just have my stereo amp set up. Even though there's individuals with that, let's say they get it so good that those individuals are just 
just individuals who have that opinion and there's not that many of them. And let's say that the Axe effects and all that stuff has, we get to the point where it's totally convinced the vast majority of people. You know, like the artists using them until actually are like putting their old amps in storage and they're kind of like, oh, I keep the old amps because man, it's cool having a Marshall stack and I can keep it and I plug into it. But I got to be honest, I recorded the whole of the last two albums on the Axe FX. I do all the touring on the Axe FX. It's been a long time really since I played anything that wasn't the Axe FX or Kemper or Helix or whatever. Let's say it gets to that point, right? Where it's that convincing that it's really only is the old person here and there who's like, yeah, I prefer the amp because it's old school. I prefer the amp because I think I can still hear the difference. If it gets that convincing, where do they progress from there is what I'm interested in. Like, if they kind of... I think it's, a you know, the Prosciutto tone thing, it's kind of slightly never-ending, and people will always be like, there's something magic in those marshals, man. And, like, you know, they'll always be, like, pursuing it. So it'll never stop. I'm not saying at the point where it stops. That pursuit of, like, let's get it exactly right, let's capture the magic of a Marshall stack in this digital box, I think that will always be there to some extent. But when you've convinced most people, that won't be this big central point anymore. That won't be this big main point of presentation. Of we've done it. We've finally captured it. Because most people will go, yeah, I know. For this point where most people go, yeah, I think you got it. I think you nailed it. They'll keep going. The obsessive digital engineers and designers behind these things will obsessively chase it. And they'll still be trying to convince those people who go, like, oh, it's not got the magic, man. Sure. Right. Okay. So they'll keep going, but it won't be the major big draw of here's, you know, Axe FX version 686 or whatever, you know. Here's the new software update for this one. It's even more convincing. Most people will be like, yeah, you said this the last 20 times, and I was already convinced back then. At that point, what do they do? Like, will there be a point where that transitions to something else, where the main pursuit of digital effects, instead of, let's say, recreating other things other technologies such as tube amps as accurately as possible will it shift to new sound creation and i know there's already you know experimental musicians and there always are uh experimental musicians experimental designers and things uh including we have experimental pedal builders right now very much who look to the progression of technology and new things becoming available in guitar world and in other technologies and then utilizing that to create new sounds and a lot of it can be quite experimental but I mean in a way that's more experimental, but also very much within the mainstream of sound creation. Will that be a shift in the focus of digital products? You know, if technology is going to keep moving along, what you see it everywhere else is new technologies introduced, we can reinvent and recreate and introduce new things to the product all the time. They do that with feature sets, you know, new things become available, new processing power means this is possible where it wasn't before. Oh, this technology, which was actually from a different industry, we've realized it was applicable in some way to the guitar world and we've brought it in. We've brought about something new. A lot of that can be used for feature sets and I think on individual products uh, such as individual pedals definitely um, and individual things. When you get more into like recording um, production software and what's available there, absolutely you see that it progresses and it brings about kind of entirely new products with a different approach and focus. I'm wondering if that will kind of begin to happen in the world of digital modeling and um, effects processing and in particular amp modeling really like i say when the pursuit of making everything sound like a tube amp becomes secondary even if that you know that could be like a 
tastes change maybe like in four generations time people will be like yeah i don't really care about tube amps when i was a kid growing up all my uh, bands that i went to see didn't even have any stage volume it was all in-ears and stuff was blasted out through the pa and they were playing through like a rack of vax effects like stuff in the back so you know seeing a big marshall stack isn't something that's cool to me it's just something that's you know kind of interesting to do with guitars but that could be it that could be a thing could be three or four generations time it goes out it's not as interesting to pursue getting that tone in itself because that tone is just one amongst many that are all viable if i grow up listening to i have my 20 favorite bands and i'm a big kind of gear nut and i mean and i know all the gear that they used on all their albums and on a live and only two out of those 20 consistently use tube amps and i go oh those tube amps sounded great on those albums but here are 18 other albums that also sounded phenomenal and inspiring and there wasn't a tube amp near any of them you know however long in the future it would be before that happens there's a disc there's a there's a kind of severing of that connection whereas you know now even even though you might not have grown up listening to going back and listening to classic stuff in the 60s or whatever which is kind of the origin point of i think the magic and the fascination of uh, a lot of this gear like you know there's paul and marshall comes from back in those you know 60s 70s whatever even though people might not necessarily be interacting with that if you like primary source material the secondary material which is the next generation of musicians and the next who were all still obsessed with that music um and still the thing to do was get a les paul and a marshall or, or whatever you know fill in the black with whatever you want um because of that uh they still interact with it even though there's not a direct connection but if you start to wane the connection generation after generation after generation so that like i say you end up with people going yeah there's some cool bands that use tube amps but the majority of bands that i know never use them that connection's not there right um and so it could be that then when you're creating your new modeling software saying hey this sounds just like a tube amp that's not really an interesting focus for other people it's not really a draw so that's one thing um that could happen that's a taste thing that's about music and that's going to be a big part of it but you know just in terms of if the technology kind of conquers it if you know i like like i say for the last five software updates on my whatever my modeling system is or my plugins or whatever the last five we've already all been completely convinced they did blindfold tests with all these golden ear producers no one could tell the difference no one could feel the difference it's exactly like two bands. Let's say that happens, just hypothetically. Even if you're going, that could never happen for this reason, that reason. Let's say it does. Um, or it gets to a point close enough to that, like I say, for enough people. Do they then switch to new sound creation? And what would that look like? Would, is new sound creation always experimental? Is it always going to develop slowly? Does that develop too slowly with the taste of music of what new sounds become acceptable and part of music? You know, first, a new sound is always weird, or, or often is. But then if it's used in songs that you like, it becomes part of the normal part of the repertoire that you've kind of accepted and that your ear is used to. And then you want to use it and then it becomes part of the kind of palette of sounds that we're used to interacting with. That's a quite a slow process often. Um, does that continue going slowly? Or if digital makers of digital gear and modeling gear and all of that technology realize that's what they have to pivot to because just creating valve amps doesn't sustain a business where you're going through years of r&d to create each new product if they pivot to that does that 
mean that they inject kind of energy into the market for new sound creation that becomes a big part of things which in turn it would become a big part of music it's interesting you know new sound creation doesn't have to be crazy effects either it means like we've created new amp models that do certain things that don't sound like a tube amp it sounds digital but whereas before that was a bad thing because it was related to falling short and again it's about generational gap if you move beyond the generations of us that remember that you know the origins of digital sounding stuff was like that's supposed to sound like a marshall but it sounds all like fake and synthetic or whatever from the early days of modeling software not being great and still probably currently now if you're still if you're not convinced by modeling software right now you may you may think that of the new stuff too and that's what you hear in the new stuff um you know when you move generations away from that you don't necessarily have that negative connotation towards something that sounds digital if you grew up with digital stuff being an axe effects or a line six helix and you go sounds great sounds like a tube amp doesn't sound like a tube amp don't really care just sounds great you then open maybe to the idea of something that just sounds good. Maybe it doesn't sound like a tube amp, but it just sounds good. And therefore, some of the synthetic sounds could be interesting to you. I wonder if that also could play a role, particularly with producers who, you know, even when producers are like guitarists and they're into cool amps and they have a studio full of cool amps, first and foremost, if they're a producer, they're into getting the right sound. And that can often mean if you watch any behind the scenes kind of studio stuff or uh, stuff where producers talk you through how they got stuff to sound like it does on the record a lot of it's counterintuitive to when you're a guitarist and you're used to doing what we do the habits we come up with are to get the nice guitar sound you know this is a nice guitar sound producers aren't really that interested in you having a nice guitar sound they're interested in the record having a nice sound they're interested in the guitar sound being nice in the mix and that's not always the same thing quite often isn't the same thing um as hey my guitar sounds so nice in the store so I bought it. Sounds so good in in the room. Sounds so good in the rehearsal space, or even live, on a record. When you've got all these, when you've got all these laying, you've got all these things that are supposed to sit in their correct place sonically. Not the same thing. There's a lot of like guitar solos, for example, that when you i when you isolate the track and you watch people like producers talk through how they mix stuff and they isolate the solo guitar, it sounds horrible, um, and it's because the solo has to jump out and i find this is often the case with like lead stuff even more than rhythm stuff um it can happen too with rhythm stuff because you're layering up all these rhythm parts and they've got to have individual sounds so they're not kind of just a mishmash block sitting in the same frequencies or sitting in the same sonic area you're kind of um you know having multiple guitar parts layered up for that rhythm part and they're all sitting in different frequencies which means and kind of different areas is where they're focused and that means that some of them don't sound particularly enjoyable to listen to on their own but they're hitting that space that the other sounds aren't but with lead stuff you know uh, a lead guitar or solo part that comes kind of tearing in it's supposed to really jump it's supposed to jump out of the rest of that mix and that mix is still there the mix has you don't want the mix to die down usually you want the mix to retain its power and its strength um and yet you've somehow got to have this other guitar part coming in when you've already got six guitars laid up or whatever has got to jump above all of them. Um, and sometimes that means it's put in this really specific frequency range that means it's like weird and ugly. And they've done some weird, interesting things, experimenting with gear, like pulling inbuilt effects units out of one guitar and plugging another guitar into them and then running that into the console straight and that's like a solo guitar tone and it's like this weird nasally thing on its own but when you hear it in the mix it's this like searing thing that leaps out of the mix and you go wow what a powerful guitar tone uh, but you would never ever ever want to sit there and noodle away on it on your own at home because it's just frankly really really ugly 
that sort of thing happens a lot. And I wonder if the world of producers could push the idea of this, if they're convinced, yep, digital stuff works for recreating those great amp tones, which is great for live, studio, wherever. But uh, the, the, the real, you know, the versatility and the potential of digital, which feels kind of endless, new technologies, not just what we have now, but with, with new technologies coming in, instead of re- once you've kind of, yep, cool, you can recreate sounds with it, sound creation new sound creation new sound frontiers are really uh, a great option a great new frontier a great series of possibilities and kind of endless possibilities for this technology maybe really where its real strength lies actually in the long run and so if we pivot to that in some ways in the and the kind of that the that outlook of producers coincides with the the creators of the products going right we can't just create product after product with the main draw being yeah new features and it sounds even more like a marshall totally convincing if that's already been kind of done and settled to some extent or that kind of the dust settles on that issue how do we produce things which take things in a new direction which are interesting to people which people want to buy which are part of the music they want to make um you know that those two things that outlook of the producers and that outlook of the digital gear creators coincides you could have these products which producers have then got which are tailored towards creating whole new sound frontiers and not just recreating the sound of a marshall and a fender and a mesa boogie or whatever and that could mean that those producers go okay let's make some new music with this and they they kind of uh, you see uh, you see records coming out music coming out that have sounds on it which are kind of a n- new definitions of what good guitar sounds are I think that's interesting. For me, the last thing I'll say about this is if this could be or something like this could be where the future of digital gear way off in the future kind of goes or even in the nearer future and new technologies that we haven't seen yet maybe in Guitar World that are brought in from other places and developments that we don't know, technology is always developing. It's going to change with, you know, the new there's that interaction I was just talking about like those two outlooks like the producer and the digital creators. That's the kind of interaction that's going on all the time. The the producers of digital gear or new technologically new gear come out with something that's something in that which is interacted with by a creative a musician a producer someone who wants something new who's looking for something they unlock some potential in that device and then that becomes a part of what that device or that technology is known to do and then that's something that's recognized by the digital creators when they go to create their next product so technologically it moves forward in that direction and then another creative with that version two of the product finds a different way to use it and takes it in a different direction to fulfill a different need and then all of the digital creators recognize that and move, and then build on top of that that's the kind of interaction which goes on if that moves towards new sound frontiers rather than recreating beloved vintage sounds or beloved known sounds um you know i think the big thing that would really kick it off is like i say in that equilibrium the side of it which is like the creative takes the product and does something with it that's usually where it kicks off you know like i said right at the start of this podcast kind of you know why are those amps cherished and stuff it's related to the artists and the music that we love you know it's it's related to something that we heard which has a big emotional impact and that we then want to be in touch with that's what it is you know it's not it's not i don't think there's that many people out there apart from the nerdy amp designers and stuff themselves who go well the min-, and I, even then i really don't think there's any of them but maybe there's a couple of people out there but i don't know if there's that many people who go well the, you know the reason i love a plexi and the reason probably a lot of us love a plexi 
and the tie, you know, is related to that moment where we first fell in love with the plexi, which was, of course, when we all looked at the schematic. I don't think that's what it is. <laughs> Everyone goes, well, it's the first time I saw it on stage with Sonsar. Oh, it's the first time I heard this record. And I was like, what is that? And I went and I found every magazine I could, every interview to hear him talking about how they recorded this and how they did it and how they layered guitars and how they wrote guitars with this in mind and how it interacted with the bass because I needed to know how to get that sound. That's where people fall in love with pieces of gear. That's where people become obsessed with pieces of gear. That's where gear gets cemented as something we need to be able to achieve this. So I think all of these these interactions would create the environment in which digital gear creation was centered around new sound frontiers rather than recreating old sounds. However, I think the thing that would kickstart it, that would cement, that would be needed to cement that and to cement even the specifics of the direction of that would be that side of the interaction, the creative side, i.e. an artist who makes, you know, distinctly digital tones out of this gear, out of the, you know, utilizing some new potential from this digital gear which is already starting to pivot away from just recreating old amps and is you know it feels like we've got that now we've done that well enough and convinced people well enough that we're transitioning towards having a tool which is for totally new sound creation including things which might be even kind of ugly sounding to people right now very digital sounding but which are endlessly editable and endlessly newly creatable for genuinely like the next generation of new guitar tones which is you know happening all the time we're doing all the time listening to gen stuff that doesn't sound like old stuff etc etc but i think it would take an artist to take that gear with which is in that moment with that outlook of the digital gear creators the technological innovators it would really kick off for us because we're not all tech heads really we're music heads and that would interest some people but including some creative who would then want to take it and do something with it it would it would excite some producer here but where it would really excite the masses of guitar players and musicians and music lovers and people like you listening to this i think would be when some particular artists really do something with it that makes us go i need to sound like that you know some beautiful piece of music that utilizes it and that is kind of inherently linked to it that sound is a part of it that's what does it that's what always did it in the past. Um, that's why there's certain gear that you want right now. A lot of it is to do with whether we realize it directly or not is because it's that music, you know. It, it, that's why we know that, uh, you know, great guitarists get free gear is because the companies know, like, if this amazing guitarist plays their beautiful music with our guitar, everyone will want to buy our guitar because they'll relate it and associate it to it. And especially if it's got something unique in the sound, it's going to be part of it. Um and that's what would kickstart it and cement it. So I think wherever it goes, whether it's something like what I've speculatively and probably completely idiotically and ignorantly laid out there, or whether it's something different, I think the next frontiers of the next new frontiers of yeah technology in gear and the next technological developments of gear and where they go conceptually, like, okay, we've got this tech, but what do we do with it? What are we trying to get to? I think if that moves beyond just recreating old sounds, where it will move to will be really still always defined by not just the technology, not just a certain potential within it, but what potential is harnessed by a creative that then inspires us. I think it's always going to be that. It's always going to be, we'll hear a piece of music and go, oh my goodness, what is that? What What is, this is a guitar. You can do this with a guitar. This is music. You can do this with music. Those things that we all, we all know, we all have when we think about it, those bands, those songs, those moments, those records, those live performances, those, 
that made us go, wait, music can be that? Or like, what is that sound? Um, when the when new potential of these digital technologies is taken and unlocked to do something like that, achieve a moment like that in a fan, in a group of fans, in music lovers, I think that's going to be what defines where gear always goes. And I think that's definitely going to still be the case for digital gear, digital modeling, out modeling, new technologies that come into gear around that. And I think it will be interesting to see if it moves beyond just the recreation of marshals or vendors or mazes or freedmen's or whatever to some extent and goes into no we're going to create the best digital sounding amps and it's going to have a digital sound and that's definitely always going to relate to the movements as well not just individual creatives and their moments that they create but the movements overall of genres and musical tastes and obviously that's a bit of a chicken or the egg what comes first an amazing artist or something does that spawn the genre or was the genre there because all sorts of people were interacting with these new sound possibilities and creating new genres or they had new genres in their heads and new ideas and they were speaking to amp designers and pedal designers and going, yeah, but I can't get this sound. I have this idea I want to do for this new whole genre of music we all have in our heads. There's a scene here, but it's hard to do it with the current gear and amp builders who are usually players themselves and pedal builders players themselves are going, yeah, you know what? I think I could create something that fills the gap and that's how you get the new product and the genre and the new gear kind of grows up together. All of this, it's all a part of it. It's all interconnected. And then I think those big important moments and kind of standout moments for us individually, as well as on a kind of wider cultural level or whatever, are the things that will define and set in stone kind of where that then goes for for a while, where where we'll all be tone chasing for a while but it, with the new technology or, or whatever digital monstrosities we'll be using um, potentially. So... I think that's cool. Um, I do just think within that is still always going to be valve amp, love, tube amp, love, whatever you say, um, depending on where you are in the world. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't like sit here and prophesize the the end of it. Um, I don't know. Probably will go away at some point. Will go away, won't go away. All sorts of factors in that. That's a whole different debate. What happens to tube amps? Are tube amps equally alongside this whole development? Is there a split where there's this development in? digital world but then tube amp world continues going and everyone's kind of engaging with both simultaneously kind of like they are now yeah i don't know that's a whole different thing i'm not going to go off on that because i've already ranted on for a long time about this but all just interesting questions in there and i do think it will be interesting to see you know i just feel like digital technology i I don't think it's just gonna stick on like this massive focus on recreating other things which we could still buy um obviously if tube amps go by the by and it's just not viable to make tubes or valves anymore no one wants to do that because they're not used in other technology and it's too niche so it becomes this niche expensive um side of things you know like the sports car kind of things and people who want to buy them but it's old school and no one else wants to if it goes like that then obviously getting those sounds if we just rely on digital to get those sounds because we still love those sounds and musicians are still using those sounds to inspire us then that will still be a big part of the digital world, even though the digital world will, will evolve. But I still just have this feeling that it's gonna it's gonna evolve in a way in which that becomes that'll still be there, at least for a very long time. But the recreation of other amps, I think, will be not everything that the potential of these new technologies has in it. And I think creation of new sounds 
which are not reliant on that or relative to what an old Marshall sounds like or what a classic Fender sounds like. It'll be interesting to see if that happens and that's where things go. Anyway, enough blabbing about gear. I want to get on to talk about some music and I have a suggestion today. Um, when I suggest this, I'm also going to talk about some of the artists involved in this because I don't know if this works everywhere in the world. This works where I am. It works where some people are who aren't where I am. I know that because I've checked that. Um, but I don't know if this literally works everywhere in the world. Just, you know, the ter- territories on like stuff. It's so weird sometimes, like stuff not being available in people's country. And I'm sorry if I ever suggest stuff and it's not available where you are. Um, how annoying is that? I hate that. And I'm really sorry if that's the case. Um, uh, for this one, it could be the case because it's from a radio show. Uh, so I know they can be like geo-locked sometimes. If you've got VPNs, maybe you can access it. I don't know. Um, but if it's not, don't worry because I'm going to talk about uh, several artists here and name drop several artists so you will be able to at least check out the artist link to this um so this is from a bbc radio six thing um yeah they they have this thing called the freak zone playlist um and the playlist on this episode is entirely cu- uh, curated by chelsea wolf i've mentioned chelsea wolf's music a good number of times before on this podcast and you should absolutely there's number one check out chelsea wolf and everything that she has ever done (laughs) genuinely i've suggested stuff from like her latest work to like back in her first album and everything uh all phenomenal stuff spans quite a wide range of genres at this point but all with this you know eerie dark gothic elements to it um beautiful sorrowful moments throughout all these projects and all these different albums she's done anyway um she's created the freak zone playlist on this episode of it from bbc radio 6 and it's all curated around um women in heavy music so in metal in heavy rock and noise in other heavy genres of music she's the kind of chelsea wolves um pics of inspiring and amazing and impressive um women in all of those kind of heavy genres amazing stuff on here it's all great from like it starts off with um a piece from one of her own projects that she's in called mrs piss which is great stuff which i think i might have also suggested on the podcast you've got helms lee on here pretty sure i've suggested stuff from helms lee before it's got brutus on here pretty sure i've suggested stuff from brutus before amazing got to check that out uh lingua ignota yeah all fantastic stuff so i've linked to the radio show on here it's cool because you get like talking and 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 uh and stuff and kind of you know statements behind about what's behind picking these tracks and and you get to hear some really cool stuff like that and you guys know i love to nerd out about that stuff um but also just a great playlist of awesome music on here even if you can't play it um if you click on the link in the description that i've left even if it won't play for you because it's geolock i think you'll still be able to see the playlist and if not you can just look up the artists that i've talked about there chelsea wolf elms lee brutus and check that stuff out but i think you'll still be able to at least see even if it won't play for you because it says this is locked in your location or whatever crap um i think it will still like you know let you see on the page because it displays on the page all the tracks i think you'll still be able to see that so go check that out it's great music it will inspire you it will probably interest you a hell of a lot more than me blabbing on about like what's gonna happen in digital gear i don't know i'm not involved in making digital gear i'm just as clueless as you end of episode you'll at least have some great music out of this so there you go wasn't wasn't a complete waste of time listening to the end was it (laughs) anyway um that's me i'm gonna shut up for now go and check out that music link in the description below 
Um, if it doesn't work for you, just Google those artists because it's phenomenal stuff. Take care of yourselves. Take care of one another. Play a bunch of guitar. And as always, I will catch you again tomorrow.